I wish these babies would learn to be quiet in church. I hear these babies and it just makes me laugh. It just makes me happy to hear them. It's amazing, amazing, amazing. Certainly good to see everyone this morning. We didn't have a time of announcements. I just couldn't stop. But I will tell you that tonight at the end of the evening service, we are going to have several baptisms. If this is something that you have been considering or contemplating, then uh, I would encourage you to come. I shared in Sunday school this morning that when I first became pastor here, I had a vision. And it was very convicting, very clear and very vivid. It brought a great concern because the vision that I had was that there are many, many, many people sitting in churches all over the world believing that they are saved and never having yet fully even began this journey or this encounter with Jesus Christ. Believing that we're saved because somewhere back there, someone told us that if we would just pray, then, we could, then Jesus would come and be our Savior. Shared with the class this morning is that there are many in sitting in churches everywhere who have been converted in their mind, truly understand the story of Jesus Christ, understand the reality of sin mentally, and they know it. And they went through a mental exercise of changing and saying that by my mental exercise, I believe in Jesus Christ. But the reality is that salvation cannot come by that mental conversion. Salvation comes because you receive something. You have to be able and willing and ready for a life-changing reality to come. You have to be able to receive the salvation of God. Receive the grace of God. Receive the love of God. Receive the power of God. And we wonder why in churches that we're so busy trying to do and perform is because we have not ever taken the time or the opportunity to receive what God has. What happens in these moments when someone is baptized, like... There will be at least five baptized tonight. They've come to a place in their life where they realized, each one, that I want in this moment to receive everything God has for me. What I have received marginally, a little of or maybe, I want to erase all that. may be surprised and you may not be surprised, but uh, we teach in this church that baptism is something more than symbolic. It's not the outward expression of an inward change. Baptism as it was with Jesus. Mighty things happened to Jesus when he was baptized. When he came up out of the water, his father said, This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. And by that announcement, God of heaven adopted his beloved son, Jesus Christ, so that all the world would know. In that same moment, the Holy Spirit came to descend on Jesus. And according to John, it not only descended on him, it came and remained because it was his authority by which he can now function for the next three and a half years because the Holy Spirit has now come. And it says in, in John chapter 2 that in, in the wedding of Cana and Galilee that that was his first miracle. Never had there been another one because the anointing of the Holy Spirit had not yet come until that baptism. But after it, after he received what was given to him in that moment, then the miracles began to happen. Supernatural reality became evident on this earth. And the third thing it says, and all of heaven was opened unto him, and Jesus ministered under an open heaven. Don't tell me that baptism means nothing or is simply symbolic when that happened to Jesus when it happened as it did. I can tell you when you're, what baptism is designed to mean for us is that we recognize and accept the relationship of a child with God. Sonship is received. 
And we know, and we know beyond knowing that we are a child of God. We understand that the Holy Spirit is given to us as a gift, but we still have to receive that gift which was given. And all of heaven is open to to us, and we get to minister under an open heaven, realizing that I'll never encounter a moment when I need to give love, when love will be in short supply. When, When grace is needed, peace is needed, kindness is needed, forgiveness is needed, we'll never be in short supply because we're reaching into the abundance of an open heaven. I've shared with you on several occasions this statement that you cannot give what you don't have. I learned this, as I shared with you before, at a conference, a healing conference in Austin, and the pastor was preaching and teaching on healing. He says, you can't give away what you don't have, and it just stuck with me because he used the illustration of John. In the Gospel of John, several times, four, I think, when John calls himself the disciple whom Jesus loved, and it sounds like arrogance that John would actually make this claim about himself that I'm the disciple whom Jesus loved, almost exclusively him saying that, but it wasn't the case at all, and I'd never seen it this way until that night. He said, John learned something before the rest of the disciples. John learned that the greatness in this life is not being able to say to God, I love you, and we try hard to do it. We spend a lot of energy and a lot of emotion trying to say, God, I love you, and he's saying, yeah, I know, I can read your heart. Before you raise your hands, before you open your mouth, I love the expression of it, but I know how you feel about me because I look at your heart. We're not going to surprise him. John realized that wasn't the greatness. The greatness in this life isn't being able to say, God, I love you, but it's finding within the human capacity the ability to let God fully love us because I can't give away what I don't have. I can't love you as a church like I should be able to love you until I have first received the love of God. All of it. You can't love your husband or wife until you have first received the love of God. Remember, we minister out of the overflow. When our cup is full and we've received in abundance those things that God has for us, I guarantee my wife will be the first recipient of the overflow of my heart because God is pouring in so fast what I can't contain and she gets to be the first recipient of my love. I'll change that. She gets to be the first recipient of his love that flows through me and over me. I tell you what, it changes life, and life becomes so much more simple when I realize that the greatness in this life is for me standing before God saying, God, just make sure I stay full. Just fill me with your spirit. Fill me with your love. Fill me with your joy. Fill me with your peace so that everyone around me gets to enjoy the reality of the overflow. Because as I told you, when the prophets were here and I was laying on the floor of my office in a bundle and they were praying over me, Rhea got that cup off my desk and she said Randy you've been trying to minister from within the cup and you're empty that's where most pastors find themselves empty because they've been trying to minister from within the cup she said you got to ask God to fill the cup and let the people live in the overflow I want to tell you it's been simple after that that's possible for all of us it's truly possible for all of us what I want to share with you this morning is not huge in magnitude of some of the things that we teach and believe and God has shown us but I want to tell you if we get this if we'll let this penetrate it will change your life this morning and I will I will tell you that with a guarantee so much that needs to be shared but uh, I'm, I'm going to get to the point so we don't we don't stay here forever today but this past week the Lord pressed this message 
urgent message on my heart and, I, and I'm anxious to be able to deliver it. For some this morning, it will make, again, a radically huge difference. But here is the problem that, we, that, I, that I want to discuss this morning. Most of us have a serious misconception about how God works with us. How God did what he did, even through Jesus in the New Testament. When we read that New Testament, and especially the Gospels, and we follow Jesus around for those three and a half years, many have been led to believe that Jesus was almost a magician more than he was a Savior. I want to talk to you just briefly about what that has done. I can tell this because most of us in large part become disappointed in God and adjust our theology because we've asked him to do something and he didn't seem to do it. Most of us have prayed at some point out of some deep need, out of some brokenness, asking God to do something for us. And because at the end of that prayer, the next day, the next week, the next month, nothing happens, it doesn't change the fact that we believe in God and that we, that we don't believe he loves us or that we don't believe that he's good. But most of us at that point, because of that disappointment, adjust our theology and just draw a conclusion about God that's not true. We will draw conclusions like, well, I wrote some of these down. I guess he didn't want to. Maybe he didn't hear me. Maybe I asked wrong. Maybe he doesn't care. Maybe he doesn't do miracles anymore. Maybe he doesn't heal anymore. Maybe he doesn't restore anymore. Maybe I'm not worthy of it. Maybe he doesn't love me. And we draw the conclusions because we ask him something and we didn't see the evidence. And there have been hundreds if not thousands of conclusions drawn because of those prayers asked that we seem to recognize that have gone unanswered. And I watch people struggle for years with problems and challenges. And some of you are sitting here this morning. I want to tell you, if you've got a problem this morning that started yesterday and you're still not over it today, I'm talking to you. That sounds pretty radical, Randy. It just happened yesterday, just happened this morning, and, and are you expecting me to be over it? Well, I guess in most terms, I would tell you, yes, that's exactly what I'm saying. And I know how radical that sounds. I know that it just sounds like, Randy, you're just saying something that is just too extreme. But I want us to understand why this is going on. I want us to understand what's happened that's caused us to come to this place where we expect so little of God. When people walk into churches on Sunday morning all over America or all over the world, why don't they come in expecting to have an encounter with God that will drastically change their life that morning? It's because our disappointment has so adjusted our theology we don't expect much of God anymore. And I want to tell you, God has not changed. He has not changed. His heart toward us has not changed one bit. I want to, I want to read some scripture. And I may get tired of reading these before I get to the end, but I want you to listen to the word. Listen for the word that will describe why we have this disconnect. Why are we missing, where are we missing this gospel, this good news truth? And perhaps you'll hear it in these scriptures. Uh, There's about 102 of them, so I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. There's only about 90. And I say that for your encouragement. Matthew 10, 8, heal the sick cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out devils. Freely you have received, freely give. Matthew eleven five, the blind receive their sight and the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed and the deaf hear, the dead are raised up and the poor have the gospel preached to them. Matthew 21, 22, 
and all things whatsoever you shall ask in prayer, believing you shall receive. Mark 10, 51, And Jesus answered and said unto him, What wilt thou that I should do unto thee? The blind man said unto him, Lord, that I might receive my sight. Mark 10, 52, And Jesus said unto him, Go thy way, thy faith had made thee whole. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus in the way. Luke 18, 17, Verily I say unto you, Whosoever shall not receive the kingdom of God as a little child shall in no wise enter therein. Luke 18, 42, And Jesus said unto him, Receive thy sight, thy faith has saved thee. Luke 18, 43, And immediately he received his sight. John 1, 11, He came unto his own, and his own received him not. John 1, 12, But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. John three twenty seven. John answered and said, A man can receive nothing except it be given to him from heaven. John sixteen twenty four. Hitherto have you asked nothing in my name. Ask and you shall receive that your joy may be full. Let me jump to this last one. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. But you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you and you shall be witnesses unto me in, both in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the world. What's the word? Receive. You see, the great fault within our theology today is that we have established Jesus as a magician and we tell him our situation and we expect him to wiggle his nose or to snap his fingers and our situation to be different. It was never that way. It will never be that way because he's not a magician. He's a benevolent father who loves giving great gifts to his children, but the nature of a gift is what? It has to be received. I will tell you, your life can be drastically different today in this moment depending upon your willingness to receive what he's wanting to give you. Radically different. It's in the receiving. It always has been. And that, that part of our message has strangely been forgotten and we've turned Jesus into this magician who sees our need, we put it before him, and nothing happens. And I use this illustration all the time. I used it this past week. Most of our problems, many of our problems, feel like we're on a merry-go-round. Going round and round and round and never really gaining on it, but staying busy all the time. We, we work on it mentally and emotionally, and we go round and round and round. But we notice this guy as we go around. He's standing there. He's got this gift in his hands. He's got this absolute pure smile on his face. And every time you come around, his eyes meet your eyes. And he stands there like this. And he watches you until you go out of sight looking in anticipation for when you come around that corner again so that his eyes can meet you. And he stands there and he just watches you eye to eye as you disappear again. He stands there. And I can tell you for some of us, he's been standing there for a day, some a year, some 10 years, some 20. Some have, he's been standing there for 50 years. The smile on his face will never change. He'll never grow angry at you. He will never express disappointment that this time you didn't get off and come and take the gift. You will never change his countenance. You will never change his willingness. You will never change his patience. But he's too much of a gentleman to come bring this gift and force it on you. He's trying to draw you with his eyes. Trying to draw you with his heart. Trying to convince you, leave the merry-go-round. Leave the mental and the emotional anguish that you've been feeling for years, trying to resolve a relationship that won't heal, a problem that won't go away, brokenness that won't be restored. Y'all know what I'm talking about. You feel it. 
the other illustration I use is a treadmill. That's actually sometimes a better one because, you know, Jan and I used to have one of those things. <laughs> used to. That's a good word. It did hold lots of clothes. That was important. The key, of the nature of a treadmill, we all know it. We step on, I take that, we, she stepped on it. And a few minutes later, 30 minutes later, she'd come back in the room. I said, how far did you run? Two miles. Well, that's pretty amazing. She ran two miles and stepped off in exactly the same place she got on. See, that's the nature of a treadmill. Satan manufactures them, by the way, so that he can get us on them so that we'll run forever, get tired and exhausted, only to step off in the, at night, the same place where we got on in the morning, having nothing actually resolved. And God's standing there at that plug saying, if you want me to, I'll unplug it so that you can find an avenue off of that thing so it'll quit beating you up. I remember several years ago when I was in a meeting, an Amico meeting, and one of the guys came in who was kind of scraped and bruised, and they began to tell the story of what happened of this horse that had thrown him. Said, yeah, I might have killed him had somebody not got to it and unplugged it before it completely beat him to death. The key is in receiving. I had another 10 or 15 scriptures there that I could have read, but there was another 150 that I, when I printed them out. Scripture after scripture, story after story about the receiving of what God was offering. We're not good at it. We're not good. If you're, fight, if you're fighting with something today, mentally or emotionally, and you've got to struggle, I want to tell you, God is ready this morning. If you will receive what he wants to give you, he will take it away right now. Right now. That's not a maybe. Max and Matthias comes and has a sticker in his finger and holds it out to you because it's hurting. What are you going to do? Pull it out immediately. Because even out of our imperfect love as a father, we would not look at our child and say, you know, you're learning some pretty good lessons out of, that, out of how badly that hurts. I think I'll leave it in there another day or two. It would not happen. If my imperfect love has such an urgency to relieve pain from my children. What do you think the perfect love of our Heavenly Father does toward us? Why would He ever want you to hurt another day? To be in fear another day? To be brokenhearted another day? He's saying, I'm here. I'm standing here with this gift. I just want you to come and get it. I'm not going to force it on you. Too much a gentleman to do that. Boy, he's ready to relieve and release what you need this morning. I've asked God this morning what I'm supposed to do. The answer is real simple for those of you who know what comes next. And I'm, if you're sitting there this morning and you know that you're supposed to be a minister up here, if God has prompted your heart said, I'm supposed to be a minister. I need you to come. They have no magic up here. They have only that which God has allowed them to give to you this morning. So when you come and you take one of them by the hand and you say, I want to receive this morning healing for my brokenness, forgiveness for my sin, restoration for my broken heart. What you come and ask for they're going to, by the power of God that he's giving in this moment, he's going to offer it. And then they're going to ask you, do you receive what God's giving? Y'all understand? Ask them. Do you receive the healing, the forgiveness, the restoration that they're asking for this morning? Because upon that, yes, I receive. Not words. Reality of our heart, God will change you. Not maybe. 
He will do it. It's ours to receive. Lord, we just pray in this moment as you begin to minister to hearts that the ministers are in place and there may be others who need to come and realize that I'm supposed to be up here. But Lord, there are ministers here this morning that are standing and they're ready. And I pray, Lord, that if anyone is sitting here this morning and has, is, is battling, struggling with anything, that they would come this morning and receive, receive what you have for them this morning. We pray it in Jesus' name and ask you to begin to come. Stand if you would, but come if God prompts you.